0: listening to episode 37 chapter 3 of the daily growth discipleship podcast i'm chris lamberth and i'm josh
1: havens and we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship we're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for god that he would help you grow today in the everyday moments of life
0: and today we're continuing our conversation with john stark talking about his book the possibility of prayer As a pastor in Manhattan, John Stark knows the bustle and busyness of our society, but he also knows that prayer is not just for spiritual giants. Prayer, he writes, is for each of us, not because we are full of spiritual wisdom and maturity, but because we are empty. John is the lead pastor at Apostles Church Uptown in New York City. He is also the co-editor of the book One God in Three Persons. He lives in Manhattan with his wife and four children.
1: When you go without one of your senses, it's well known that your other senses heighten. Those who don't have eyesight often have more acute hearing and smell. And this is really what fasting does for us. When we take time to separate ourselves from some experience for the sake of being transformed by God, it heightens our awareness of Him in the everyday moments of life. In the first two chapters of our conversation with John this week, we've talked about what prayer is and how it transforms us. In this chapter, we get to talk about the opportunity to practice prayer in the season of Lent. When we practice prayer during Lent, it creates a powerful combination that brings us into the presence of God and heightens our awareness
0: of His presence and work in our lives. Um, You just brought up the topic of Lent. And so um, your book, there's been lots of advertisements from IVP showing up on my Facebook feed with your your face and your voice. And so, you know, I, I've been sort of looking forward to this. Um, This book in particular is going to be a great companion piece to people who want to um, do some sort of practice over Lent. But at least for our circle, I know there's a lot of people that don't know what Lent is or what to do and, and how to practice it. So I, I thought it might be a good idea to actually just do sort of an introductory level introduction. So What is Lent and why should people who are maybe Protestants and have never heard of it be practicing it this year?
2: Well, I mean, even getting back to um, the idea of rhythms or calendars, we all have a calendar. We're governed either by our school calendars, uh, government calendars, um, tax calendars, um, financial calendars. Um, in some ways the the church having a calendar in and of itself um, is a sort of resistance that now the life of Christ and um, the work of the Holy Spirit in the church is is governing my calendar more than anything else and so um, <clears throat> the season of lent all the way to Easter is a big part of, of the church calendar an important part because it's um, it's looking at the 40 days um, before Easter. So um, it's, it's looking at a way to experience uh, as best we can Easter joy by depriving some joys until we get there. So oftentimes Christians will fast, uh, maybe not for a full 40 days. Maybe they'll fast one day a week or one meal a day and experience a certain kind of pain or certain kind of longing and certain kind of hunger, um, so that we we sort of resist uh, satisfying some longings so that we can more fully experience our longings satisfied in Christ. Um, So when Easter comes, we not only sort of get to rejoice about the resurrection, we get to eat again, and it sort of reminds us of (laughs) all the joy that we have in Christ. Um, And so really the whole point of Lent is, is not to follow some legal um, law or new rule that Christians are putting on, but really a way to um, keep back some of the desires of the flesh so that we could be more satisfied in Christ. Um, and so oftentimes what people do, they'll, they'll either fast or they'll resist maybe social media for 40 days or, or alcohol for 40 days, um, and, uh, yeah, to, to keep back some cravings or desires that maybe they've seen in their life that they'd love to be replaced
0: with Christ. Mm-hmm. So if somebody wants to practice this in in some way, how, how did, how would picking up a copy of your book, how would you counsel them to go through your book, um, in conjunction with Lent, like read it before and then create another plan to implement? Like what, what would you suggest?
2: Well, there is a Lent guide that goes with it. so. Um, I think on, on IVP's website, you can the University Press website, you can you can find the Lent guide, and there is a way to go through all of them. As you're, so, as you're reading through the book, um, it sort of uh, leads you through each week, helping you walk through a discipline. Even the ones like Sabbath, um, which aren't a daily uh, habit, it actually shapes your whole week so that Sabbath can be enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, So that'd be a helpful way. I I would encourage if you've never prayed or if you don't have a regular habit of prayer, if you feel like it's always been a start and stop, that you would go through all of the disciplines each week. So it goes through all 40 days um, in a way that sort of, uh, you know, if you imagine prayer is like a language um, that you you don't know. Um, So, for example, my my father-in-law works uh, or used to work for the Border Patrol. And to to be on the border patrol, he had to go to some small town in Texas and go through six weeks of intensified Spanish uh, learning where he might have had some bits of it, but he he didn't have it. But coming back after six weeks, he didn't own it. He wasn't fluent, but he had a working knowledge. Um, But 30 or 40 years later, by the time I met him, um, I remember being – on a bus somewhere in Nogales, Mexico, uh, and he's just talking, um, with, uh, with the bus driver as if, you know, it's just the language of his heart. And in some ways going through Lent, trying to learn the, the, the rhythms of prayer, the ordinary rhythms of prayer. So you can sort of think of it like a core curriculum. Um, it won't give you, don't get you fluent. Um, but it'll give you a working knowledge of the language of prayer, so that thirty or forty years, it'll become just sort of the language of your heart. Um, and in some ways, that's sort of the the point: is to get it kind of planted in in your heart that way.
0: Yeah, and I'm gonna I want to make a point that you made in the book because what you're talking about here um, <laughs> is that that's okay, right? Having to wait that thirty or forty years. In order to become maybe fluent, but that's not really the goal is to try to get to some end point, but to allow God to work in us, no matter how long that might take. And because that becomes really his work in us, not us trying to achieve something on our own schedule.
2: Yeah, I was, um, I was sitting with a a few of our um, leaders at church and we were just sort of working through some yeah they're trying to lead people they're trying to help people change and transform and be like Christ and grow and mature and hitting some walls and in some ways it's just saying to them, giving some perspectives like look if if we want to really change, the most effective way to change as a Christian is to wake up every morning with your Bible in your lap in the presence of Christ and do that for the next sixty years and that there's there's no trick to it it's It's just being present with him and in some ways, like that is the most ordinary thing anyone can do. And it may be hard or boring, or you may be distracted, but at some point that becomes something that you live for, that it changes you. It, it transforms you. Um, and there's just, there's really no other deeper nor shallower way of, of getting around change. Um, yeah, I think, I think that answered—I can't remember the question that you— oh,
0: that that's great. That's, that's powerful, too. I mean, I think people need to understand that, that there's no—there's not necessarily a magic trick to what it means to follow Christ. It's—we've it's, um, been making this distinction, I think, in our own lives lately, and even with this whole ministry of daily growth discipleship, is that we've had to be careful about what we mean by growth. Are we trying to grow to become more like Christ and of course we are. But if we don't put we're trying to grow in our relationship with Christ as the real goal and, and the method behind that, growing in Christ or growing to be like Christ becomes its own sort of achievement focused goal. And so well,
1: we forget that being like Christ actually means doing some of the things he did. And if you look at what he yeah. did, he spent time developing his relationship with his father. Yeah. And so if we want to be like Christ, we can't do all the things he did without doing that as well, exactly
0: yeah, otherwise we have to live like we're first century Jews if we're just yeah. trying to we have to actually look at what he was after and go after the same thing so
2: yeah the New Testament has um when we talk about change and transformation or discipleship, Paul often talks and so does Jesus give imagery and uses language of maturity um and you know, Just because a seven-year-old reads a book about what does it mean to be an adult, it doesn't make him an adult.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: He has to grow up. And in some ways, reading in the New Testament or reading in a book, what does it mean to be a mature Christian, doesn't make me a mature Christian. I have to grow up. And so there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing that can replace time yeah. and, and growth. There are seasons where it seems like maybe the Spirit pours out in your life and there, there's freedoms that you've never experienced before over sin, or maybe there's a joy that you haven't um, experienced, but there's simply nothing different than just time with Christ mm-hmm. that slowly grows you. You know, there's a reason why he doesn't, uh, it's not a, from a cocoon to a butterfly that it gives you. It's a picture of a seed to an oak tree. That <laughs> just mm-hmm. takes time. He just doesn't grow overnight. Um So, yeah, maturity, I think, is a big part
0: of of the life of prayer. In his book, The Divine Conspiracy, Dallas Willard talks about the need for Christians to periodically spend large amounts of time engaged in seeking God through prayer and Bible reading. These long periods of time allow us to go deeper with God, and they serve to reignite our love and passion for Him. And Lent presents an excellent time for this practice. So I want to challenge you to participate in Lent this year. Maybe you've never done so, or maybe you're nervous and you don't know how. Don't worry about getting something right. Focus on going deeper with Jesus by spending more time with him in prayer and study. A great place to start would be to download the Lent guide that goes along with John's book, The Possibility of Prayer. Follow along and let the Spirit guide you into deeper knowledge and love of your Savior.
1: Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship, and the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the daily growth discipleship podcast to find out more about john's work check out his book the possibility of prayer then check out the next chapter in our conversation where john tells us how we can make prayer a part of our discipleship lifestyle if you want to step to date on everything happening at daily growth discipleship go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free you can also subscribe to this podcast on apple podcasts google podcasts and spotify